Did you know I wrote a book with Cassandra Snow? It's true! Lessons from the Empress is coming out October 1st, 2022 from Wiser Books. Lessons from the Empress is a tarot workbook for creativity and self-care. Self-expression and self-exploration are essential for living a fulfilling life, and the tarot allows for an incredible opportunity for creative exploration. Using the Empress, who is an archetype of creation and abundance, as a metaphor for the journey, Lessons from the Empress takes readers on a journey through the tarot using easy-to-follow magical rituals, tarot spreads, and creativity exercises in a way that will empower you to embrace your true self and express that self to the world. You can pre-order the book anywhere books are sold, and just to make things easy, I've included a link to my uh, bookshop.org shop in the show notes. Happy reading! Hello, and welcome to the Heathen's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Siri Vincent Clough, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the show where I explore heathenry through a queer lens. We will be talking about traditional witchcraft, runes, folklore, and so much more. Join us, won't you, as we journey to the ends of the Nine Realms and back. Welcome back to the Heathen's Journey podcast. I feel like it's been so long since I was last on the air with you, but really it's just been a little over a week. Um, Thank you so much for your patience last week. I can't even believe that was last week already. Oh my God. So like a couple weeks ago, which is when I would have been recording the last episode, um, my spouse and I had a COVID scare. Thankfully, neither neither of us got sick, but I just wanted to, you know, take some time to uh, recuperate, I guess. But um, here we are. We are back. So I don't have too many announcements. Other than that, I am died and gone to heaven because my author copies of Lessons from the Empress are here. Um, They are absolutely gorgeous. So many thank yous to the amazing team at Wiser for creating a genuinely beautiful book. Um, extra exciting. Cassandra and I are going on tour. We have both in-person events for those in or around Minnesota, as well as some online events. The first one is coming up on Saturday, September 24th through Seagrape Apothecary. I have a page on my main website, which is northernlightswitch.com, that features the book and um, has upcoming tour dates and stuff like that. I will leave a link to all of that in the show notes. Um, On to the episode, which is another exploration of the underworld and the runes. This week, I'm talking about Issa. Issa represents ice, that which is frozen. It is a barrier. It is water that has become so still it has been made solid. Ice is one of the elements that signaled the birth of our world. Quote, ice is hard and without motion. It constrains the movement of waters, but those who try to walk on it may find themselves moving out of control. From Diana Paxson in Taking Up the Runes. To my Scandinavian ancestors, ice was a harbinger of difficult times. While life didn't necessarily stop in the winter months, many things were more difficult. 
This represented a pause in the growth cycle, a time to hunker down with your family and kindred to withstand the long dark of the Scandinavian winter. In the rune poems, ice looms and is represented as an element of hardship. When Isa is present, movement is difficult and it's hard to trust yourself and your environment. Isa feels like the defensiveness that follows the change Hagalaz brings on. While we stand in the rubble, the cracked foundation of our previous life, we feel like we must defend ourselves from everything that might further that change. We may not have accepted it yet. Our needs may be met at this point in our journey, but emotionally we still feel stuck. This is a great way of talking about the fear that many people feel present with this rune. Fear can keep us locked, can keep us from growing. The worst hell of the Norse wasn't Muspelheim, the hell of fire. It was Niflheim, the realm of ice. But both of these realms constitute an underworld journey. In Niflheim, you are forced into stagnancy. You can't move, even if you want to. The cold freezes you, gets you so stuck in place that you can't see beyond your own pain and suffering. On the other side, Muspelheim is what happens when the energy for change isn't grounded. You flail, you burn, you perish. You burn away the foundation, unable to rebuild because you are in constant motion. The creation of the world in Norse cosmology happens in these two underworlds. The bridge between Muspelheim and Niflheim is how we can access the courage for making change happen. These are also the two realms that centered in the Norse creation myth. In the beginning, before chaos, there was a formless void. Then the icy rivers of Niflheim met the dazzling flames of Muspelheim. And from this joining, the great giant Ymir was born, thus creating chaos. When Ymir was slain from his body, the world was created. It is the combination of fire and ice in Norse thought that created the pathway to this world. In the second eight of the Elder Futhark, we have the need fire sandwiched between two runes that are related to ice. First comes the hail, the destruction, then comes need, then comes ice. It is a flashbang collision of fire and ice that sets off our underworld journey. This duality continues to haunt the Norse creation stories. Something exists, and then it becomes apparent that it needs to change, and there's a big conflict that leads to that change. After the collision of fire and ice, the giant Ymir enters the scene. Ymir is the giant sound, constant clanging and clashing and conflict. Then Odin and his brothers slay the giant Ymir and create the world from his bones and flesh. After this, the world maintains equilibrium for a while, but then things start to deteriorate and more conflict brews as the gods move farther from their own ideals and values. The only way they settle this is through Ragnarok, a destruction of it all. Out of this destruction comes a new way of the world. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The Norse myths are always hurtling towards destruction. But out of this destruction comes creation and hope. The next rune in this series that I'll be talking about is Yera, the rune of the year as well as abundance and harvest. It is after this double conflict of Hagalaz, Nauthis, Isa, that this harvest blooms. But that is next week's episode. 
So now, if you have seen your life go up in flames, know that the ice is here to bring a chill, to help you pause long enough to set order. Isa can represent a sacred pause, a time to gather ourselves and gather our strength. It is deep rest. It is making sure that we are protected. Hagalaz is the storm that breaks down the tower. Nalthis is the action you take to get your needs met in the aftermath. And Isa is the chill that allows you to bring clear thinking to your next steps. I often think of Isa as a pause. Ice is a moment in time, frozen until it gets warm. There are vast parts of the world that feature ice at their core. It's no secret that the ice of the world is diminishing. Global climate change has melted glaciers. Whole shelves of ice have separated and melted in Antarctica. We are living in a time when we actually want more ice. It is the loss of these resources that signals danger for us now. Whereas the ice for our ancestors may have been the harbinger of a difficult winter um, or a difficult present, then we need ice now to soothe this overwarming of the world. Ice also holds deep memories. Think of glacial ice, a record of thousands of years. The ice core tells us so much about the way things were in the distant past, and ice core is now used by scientists to understand atmospheric changes over thousands of years. It is really helpful for understanding these changes because of the way that ice is formed. In particular, ice cores show scientists the concentration of carbon dioxide and other gases in the atmosphere at different points in history when the ice froze. It is this data that has helped scientists figure out the link between climate change and carbon dioxide, because the amount of CO2 that was released had to come from an unnatural source, and it only increased over time. The ice, ESA, captured the knowledge of what was truly going on and helped us to get to the root of it. However, as we are losing ice, we are literally losing memory. Um, and I think that this is a really interesting metaphor for us losing memory of our relationship to the land, our relationship with uh, healing, medicine of plants, um, all of these things that, you know, these ice cores have... Uh, this the this ice has withstood over the years, the centuries. Um, so Isa is not just a stillness, but clarity of memory and understanding. If you combine Isa with Ansu's, you have a good bind rune for memory and messages. If you add another rune, you can fine-tune this. For example, adding Nauthi's might create a powerful bind rune for understanding what messages need to come through, filtering them for clarity, and communicating the necessary message. Perhaps in the future I will do a full episode just on bind runes and creating combinations of runes that work well together. My favorite ice in the wintertime is always that clear ice that doesn't have dirt stuck in it. This is especially wonderful if it's frozen over over a frozen lake or river, and there isn't snow piled on top of it yet, so you can see clear down through the depths. It always feels magical, like floating, to stand or skate over this kind of ice. The ice becomes a medium through which to understand yourself, as well as to preserve your memories. But there is something even more magical about the ice that forms on still lakes. The singing. 
So I'll play a clip for you later. But basically, water carries sound like no other medium. Whales can communicate across vast distances in the ocean. If you've ever put your head under the water and made some noise, you'll know that water distorts the flow of sound. When water freezes, it changes the way sound moves yet again. The high-frequency sounds move faster, so a higher tone starts and then suddenly drops. It's hard to explain the incredible, eerie sound of the singing ice, so I'm going to play some for you. Um, this is kind of an unsettling sound because often this may be a sound that you hear before the ice cracks and you go under. So I might skip ahead a little bit if you have um, any trauma around falling through the ice. then is much more playful than we give it credit for at the same time that it is deadly. So that clip was actually shared from a National Geographic video. Um, you can also find some incredible videos that are more meditative that specifically that have put up been put up by Jana Jinten who is a Swedish YouTuber. I really recommend her two hour long, um, you know, video to have as like sort of background music or layering ambiance if you need to kind of rest. It's very beautiful. Listening to it makes me feel a little bit like I'm skiing across a frozen river, river on my way into the wilderness for a quest. So speaking of the joy of ice, I want to talk a bit about another face of hell. Skadi, the giantess of the hunt and skiing. Skadi is somehow both fearsome and joyful. If you have ever skied down a mountain in the early morning with powder-fresh snow, you will understand the joy that comes with this goddess of skiing. As a fierce hunter, a giant from the north, she deals in death. As a patron of skiing, Skadi shows us how to move through the forest quickly and silently at any time of year. Whenever I think of her, I think of a fast and silent athlete, providing for their family even in the darkest and coldest days of winter. She is unrepentant in her wild nature and could not be kept even for a husband of the ice here. For as evocative as the image of Skadi is, we don't actually know that much about her from the source materials. This is part of the reason I consider her to be a face of hell. She is partially hidden. We know of her. We even have one myth centering her, but we don't know much else. She purposely evades us, just as Hell, the Hidden One, does. Skathi comes to the Aesir in order to avenge her father, the giant Theazi, who has been murdered by Odin, Loki, and Honir. She is a fierce visage and felt like an immediate threat to the gods, and the Aesir knew it would be foolish not to appease her anger. So they offer her a marriage with the Aesir, a way of joining their homes. But the Aesir, being the Aesir, they have stipulations. Skadi must choose her husband based on how attractive she finds his feet. That's right, feet. So someone probably Loki, finds some kind of tarp or banner that the eligible bachelor gods stand and hide behind, and they all line up. 
The tarp is then lifted to reveal just their feet. Skadi assumes that Balder will have the best feet, and so she thinks she has won this deal. But no, the fair title of best feet among the Aesir goes to the sea god, Njord. Of course, she feels tricked and is a sullen bride at the wedding. This brings up questions of the god's moral efficacy. Was it really a compromise meant to provide her with justice for the murder of her father? Or was it rigged from the beginning? The gods knew that if they were not able to turn her mood around, she would likely reject their compromise and go back to warring. So they turn to their resident fool and laugh riot, Loki. I cannot tell you what Loki did that finally made her laugh because I don't want to give this episode an explicit rating, but suffice to say it involved a goat, male extremities, and a tug of war. Let your imagination do the rest. Skadi finally laughed and went home with her new husband, Njord of the Sea. They were compatible in some ways. Njord uh, aids in fishing, and Skadi is the goddess of the hunt. But while they may have had similar personalities, neither could be happy in the home of the other. When Skadi was with Njord in his hall in the sea, she longed for bracing mountain air and the beauty of a forest. And when he was with her in the mountains, he longed for the smell of salt on the wind and the crashing of waves. Eventually, the two separated permanently. It was an amicable divorce, but a divorce nonetheless. Scotty's independence is the thing that most people take away from this story, but there are more things hidden within. We learn that she is interested in justice. She may be a fierce giantess, but she also begins the story in an attempt to avenge her father's death. She will not sit by quietly while injustice has occurred. She is active. She will actually go out and attempt to make things right. This only makes sense as a part of her duties as Huntress. She is active, but she also knows a more powerful stillness that can help her in finding justice. Just as hunting is an active pursuit, there is a lot of time spent lying in wait, taking on a deep stillness so that your prey can come within range. In order to be a good hunter, you need to have both patience and precision. Skadi is not normally presented this way, which I think is actually to play up the comedy of uh, marriage choice by foot and Loki's shenanigans at the reception. But there is still something very serious going on here. She is still reproaching the gods for a great injustice that has been done on her family. Sometimes, even when you are a patient person, you need to know when to take action. At the end of this particular story, Skadi seems to melt into the background again. She moves back to the mountains, or she continues to live a life on her own terms. Issa is the background of Skadi's life. She is a goddess of the hunt, yes, but also of winter, which means that she is surrounded by ice and snow. She prizes her stillness and the stillness that ice can bring, and at the same time revels in the chase. And here's the truth. Issa represents both. When I think of Issa's impact on my life, I think of the ways that this rune has encouraged me to slow down. Personally, I'm a very fast-moving, energetic person, but I am also disabled. I tend to wear myself out when I let my initially boundless energy guide my actions. Meditation practice, as well as contemplation, 
and taking the time to really sink into something and look at it from many different angles has helped me tremendously. That is the medicine to be found here. If you have a long-standing meditation practice or know someone with a meditation practice, you've probably encountered the movement within stillness. It may not even feel like you're doing much, but the cumulative effect is beautiful. If you struggle with meditation, I find that listening to audio from winter, like that singing ice clip or the sound of a crackling fire on a mountainside in the wind, um, can be really helpful. Um, A lot of other people just really love the sound of rain to help them meditate. From times of deep stillness, you will find the ability to think clearly and calmly about your next steps. Sometimes you might feel anxious about not knowing them, but it's important to sit with these difficult feelings. Until you feel them, you will always run from them. Winter is a time of quiet and also silence. Kari Toring also often talks about the importance of silence in Norse culture. With silence comes integrity. Um, Another quote from Diana Paxson. It, Isa, is the ultimate integrity, the core of stillness to which the ego retreats to resist or rest. Unquote. There are many passages in the Poetic Edda that talk about the right time to speak and when you should speak out on a subject. It is important to understand exactly what you mean to say and communicate thoroughly. Odin, the Allfather, is related to the breath, to speech, to communication. Frigg, his wife knows all but says nothing. She is a goddess of secrets, and when Frigg speaks, everyone takes note and listens. Issa is this way too. This rune helps you to create the stillness to begin to understand yourself, your position, where you come from. It is one way to stop yourself before you speak too quickly. Words that are said by Norse folk have great meaning. Words that come from our mouths create reality. Therefore, you will want to think carefully before you speak. This is not meant to silence you forever. Speaking truth to power is also an important aspect of the Norse path. But understanding the words that will do the job? Extremely important. Isa is a backbone. It is sturdy and it is a part of all the other runes. One straight line on its own. The beginning of every rune starts with one straight line on the page. This harkens back to Niflhel's role in creation as one of the first realms. It is the combination of ice with our own fiery energy that creates all experience. Ice at the center. But of course, this rune can also have a specialty all its own. In terms of working with Issa, I find that this is a good rune for powerful self-protection. Yes, you can imagine an ice shield protecting you from harm. It's a great self-protection visualization. But there are also other possibilities. Ice cools the temper. When people come at you, imagine Issa as a barrier. Imagine that the ice touches their energy and calms them down. Issa is an amazing ally to work with when you need to set boundaries with others. There is so much wisdom in stillness. Your homework with this rune? Take five minutes where you can clear your mind. Drink a glass of ice water. Imagine it moving through your body, calming you down, and bringing clarity. Or 
simply meditate. If it's winter where you are and there's ice, go outside and interact with it. Feel it as the mirror that it is, the sacred barrier. so much for listening to the Heathen's Journey podcast. I'm so honored to share these practices, conversations, and thoughts with you. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider supporting it on Patreon. The Patreon is designed as a learning and sharing space for fellow inclusive heathens to grow their practices. Every month we have a book club meeting, I share research notes, and episodes without the ads. If you would like to join, you can do so at patreon.com slash heathensjourneypod. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, keep it weird.